0: My name is Owen Flynn and welcome to episode 86 of the Trail Running Ireland podcast, sponsored by New Leaf Online Health Store. Hey everybody, wouldn't we all love to have a running career where we've notched up over 600 races on the mountains? Well, that's what Vivian O'Gorman has done since 1984. And Vivian is here today to chat through over five decades on the trails. And not just competing either, as Vivian has volunteered well over 200 times as races all around the country, as well as leading Irish teams in major championships. As we'll hear, Vivian is a true champion of the Irish mountains everybody get your running gear on let's go Welcome to the show everybody and of course we'll also have our coaching guru René Borg from Running Coach Ireland coming up shortly to help us get faster and stronger for our key races this year. Before we call in René though, many thanks to New Leaf Online Health Store who are back on board as our sponsor this month and that's good news for you guys, the listeners, as their 10% off code is back available for all of us to use as well. The code is uppercase or lowercase. Try 10 T-R-I-10. 10. Um, New Leaf, they were really delighted with the uptake on the code in the build up to Christmas. And as we get ready for our spring and summer races, Do take advantage of the 10%, guys. You can get everything you may need supplements-wise, multivitamins, magnesium, coenzyme Q10, etc., etc., to help keep those energy levels high. And then for fueling, New Leaf have the full range of Tailwind products as well. One of the best brands out there for the big runs in the mountains when you need to keep on top of your nutrition on the go. There's free Irish delivery as well for all orders over €60. And of course, the two New Leaf shops in Cork are owned by Mairead O'Keefe, a very experienced trail runner herself, who was on with us in episode 79, talking us through her top five supplements for runners. So well worth a listen back if you didn't catch that one. A few results to catch up on and it was a great night in Ballyhora last week with two races taking place. Irish International and the cloak was a clear winner in the men's race by 20 minutes in 2 hours 2 minutes for the 28 kilometres. And it was a much closer affair in the women's race with Anita Locke edging out Jan Corcoran by only 50 seconds with 2 hours 35 minutes and 20 seconds being the winning time for Anita. In the shorter 13k race congrats to Eva Courtney who was the the first across the line in the women's field and Barry Harnett was a strong winner in the men's and Edna didn't stay long actually in Ballyhora as he was back to Dublin on Sunday morning after the win on Friday night Edna also got the win in the Haute Winter Race just by 50 seconds though this time with 36 minutes and 10 seconds on the clock with Daniel O'Brien in second place and in the ladies race it looked like a fantastic race to the line with former Irish international Harriet Robinson back racing for the first time since 2022 and her first win since 2019, winning by just seven seconds over fellow Irish international Elizabeth Wheeler. And a big shout out to all of the Irish who did so well over at the Spine Race just what a fortnight or so ago now. A special mention to the indomitable Joe O'Leary who survived without sleep, racing in brutal conditions and winning the spine challenger north in a new course record by 16 hours and Irish man, Irish men rather Johnny Conway and Michael Dowling joined Joe on the podium to make it a great day for the Irish along the iconic Pennine Way and congrats to the Irish runners the full squad who finished the big one the 268 miler the Montane Winter spine Brian Hutchinson, Ian Keat, Colin O'Kofig, Dickelon White, and Rob Riley. Um, I tell you, reading those results, it just makes you want to put on your runners and get out the door training and racing. Inspirational stuff there from Joe and all the Irish Spine Squad. Okay, before we call in, Rene, thank you to James MacDonald for becoming a Patreon of the show since our last episode. Even if it is only one or two people that sign up every month, guys, on Patreon, Be that one person for us on Patreon for the price of a gel per month. It really does help to keep the show going as we do our best to promote trail running Ireland, mountain running in Ireland and share the stories of Ireland's mountain and trail runners. From those winning the races at the top end of the field to those helping to organise and put all those races together for us. So, okay, speaking of racing, we all want to be faster and stronger for our next race. So let's get some coaching tips from the man himself. Renny Borg from Running Coach Ireland. Renny, great to have you with us and hopefully you've been able to enjoy a little bit of a rest after your double of some indoor racing and some cross country racing as well over the last two or three weeks. So uh, do you have an easy weekend ahead this weekend?
1: Yes and I'm looking forward to it now. You know it's the just the funny thing you know once you've done a few races then the whole idea of doing a nice steady club run tomorrow and then a getting a long run a proper long run in hopefully on sunday you know it seems a lot more alluring uh, but it's been great to be honest i really enjoyed starting the year's a bit of a whirlwind and uh, we just about got the race in there in Avondale. and um, Same with Brock, actually. So there was a mountain race, as people know, probably the same day, just a bit earlier in the morning, like 20 minutes up the road. And it, we just got the races done before the worst of the storm hit.
0: Well, I'm sure, Rennie, a lot of people as well, like yourself, they've enjoyed maybe a couple of races over Christmas, a couple of races early in the new year, just to get back out running and enjoying, meeting up with their friends, enjoying some racing. And now could be a time in the year where, we actually we're sitting down and we're trying to figure out, OK, how am I going to approach my training for the next four or five months to get me in hip top shape for my big race in June or July or whatever it might be? So we thought it might be a good idea Renny, today just to just to go over again how you might approach um our next training block and. Do we go for a pyramid approach, a polarised approach? Do we need to just do lots of volume for the next two months before we get anywhere near our race-specific uh, work? And I know you've been doing your your research and have your own thoughts on it as well. And uh, I, I think a perfect time, Renny, to maybe um, try to, to help ourselves out. I always take great notes on what we talk about, but then, of course, the listeners out as well in how we might go and approach our, our next block to bring us into our big race in the summer, maybe.
1: Yeah, we've we've talked about your how to design training, I think a lot of times and often in pieces and over now. What is this? Is this episode eighty six? Oh, and I think it is. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it, you have to kind of start digging around a bit to find it all. So I thought it might be nice just to to kind of do a, a quick overview again, so that you don't have to do that. And we tend to explain even if we talk about the same thing twice. I think quite often we end up describing it differently, and I think that can be helpful sometimes because I. I often read about the same thing or the same problem from multiple sources because I like to have those different perspectives. I think it makes it easier to understand. Um, And, you know, of course, when you sit here at the start of the year, it's, you know, it's tempting. You lay out your big races um, that you might have, you know, your A races that are really important and other races you want to use. And then, you know, some people don't plan at all, you know, and maybe this is not for you (laughs) if that's the case. You know, if you're one of the people who, you know, you just, do whatever it is you do uh, on field every day. There's no direction in it. Um, and that's how you like it. You know, we, we're not going to convince you otherwise, but for a lot of people, they will have a race that um, is very important to them. I have a race. I hope we'll get into this very important to me. And when I look at that, I probably feel what a lot of people are feeling is that I have to take this seriously because there are requirements in this race that are beyond what I can do currently. And that. Is some, you know, for a lot of the races that we have on the the weekly calendar, most of us feel, well, look, we can just jump in and we can do that. No problem. You know, I, I know I have the ability. Maybe I won't set the world on fire, but I can do it. No problem. And obviously there's not a great kind of drive then to say, wow, I really need to put something together to make sure that I've prepared for everything. But what I'm, so what I'm talking about here is kind of when you have something bigger, maybe it's the world masters. Maybe it's, it's, you know, CCC, OCC, UTMB. Um, maybe it's the Carryway Ultra, you know, any amount of, of big races out there. Maybe you just, you know, finally, you want this to be the year where you break into the Lens League top 10. Um, whatever it is, you you want to sit down and say, well, how can I make it better than last year? Um, and how do I actually plan that out? Um, and what most people do, because that's what they've seen is well, we need a certain amount of time to do some basic work and we need then to have enough time to prepare specifically for the races and the specific demands of the race. And then maybe somewhere in the middle of that, I need to try and bring that together. Okay, so that's classically all that periodization means is that you have rough periods where you transition from training that doesn't look too much like your race towards training that looks exactly like your race. So that's the training journey. And um, the problem with most training journeys is what we tend to, or what we sometimes do is we pick up a magazine and we read about a certain way of structuring training. And we might read about, let's say, traditional, it's called pyramidal now training. So pyramidal training is where it's like a pyramid. So you have a lot at the bottom, like in a food pyramid that you consume. So lots of easy. And then as you go up to moderate intensities, you do a bit less of that. And as you go up to high intensities, you do even less of that. And you also tend to do it in that order, as so as you progress through the plan, the emphasis moves more and more towards you know higher and higher intensities. The opposite, which has become very fashionable, and we've mentioned it before, is what's called polarized. And polarized is basically when you cut out the middle of the pyramid. So you say, I'm not going to really, I'm going to do little to no medium training or moderate training. i I'm, I'm going to do lots of easy, and I'm going to do some very fast stuff, very high intensity, or some leg speed and things like that. And that's it. I'm going to ignore the stuff in the middle. Where things go wrong is if we sit down and look at those two and say, "Okay, I'm going to pick one because I think either I believe in this best or the the research article I happen to read or the elite runner who I happen to admire. They train like this. So you insert that and you follow that as, as your guideline. Which can work, you know. So a very funny recent study they did in Denmark. I think it was actually they they put people on sixteen week programs of either polarized, pyramidal, polarized, then pyramidal, eight and eight weeks, or mm. first pyramidal and then polarized. Right. And what came out of that was that uh, the approach that worked best uh, was where they started with pyramidal and then they moved to polarized towards the end. Okay. But that this was not race success they measured. That's a problem with a lot of studies, right? It's not measuring did people, were they very successful in the race? They were measuring physiological parameters, right? As a kind of a proxy. So they were measuring, for instance, things like how much did their relative VO2 max go up? Hmm. Um, and this was, all of them improved. So that's the funny thing. All four approaches, people got better. But they had got slightly better in the last one I mentioned. They got 3% better, but that means even that you know 3% over 16 weeks, you would think that's it's not a massive amount. So if I read that study, I wouldn't conclude necessarily, oh, one of these routes is so dominant that that's definitely the way for most people. So that's why we don't do it like that, Owen. Oh, no, I like to think we don't do it like that. Instead, what we look at is, is something that Killian Jarnett expressed very well in his long article last year. You know, where he says his whole training approach is to to look at what he needs at any given time, what he's missing, and using the experience from his previous reactions to certain types of training. So he basically understands two things. He understands how does different types of intensities affect him. So he knows zone four and five affect him not very well, relatively speaking, where zone three and stuff like that affects him really well. He mm. says, for some of my competitors, he says it's the opposite. And then he looks at what is the demands of the race. So this particular article he wrote was a very unique season he had, where he had to be fit both for what he calls a short race, which was shares which was 31K.
2: Mm.
1: And then multiple, what he, what are genuinely long races like u and Hard Rock. So he was basically explaining, you know, he had to figure out a way to make sure he could be good at both races. So this is the same line of thinking we need to use and that we use as kind of our base methodology. First, we look at, well, what is the race that we have or races? And what do you need to be able to do to com- to complete those races? So that all starts by actually, so before you even put out your pen and paper and start writing down, you know, how many weeks do I have and how many base Weeks, just look at your race. Um, so you might look at it and say, okay, distance, that's easy. Okay, you know, it's X amount of kilometers. So I need, I, if it's 30 kilometers, let's say you definitely need at some stage in training to be able to run more than 30 kilometers easier than the race effort. That'll make it a lot easier than to run 30K as fast as you can. Very yeah. simple. Let's say that for the, it's a mountain race and you notice that you think based on whatever prediction your goals, your UTMB index, whatever it is, that you should probably run it in, let's say, four hours. So you know as well, okay, I need the ability to stay moving well for four hours at least. So I, I need to build up that ability. You, you you won't even think about how to do that yet. You're just putting these things down. Say, okay, 30K, need to handle that. Four hours, need to handle that. And then you start looking at the specifics of the race. It could be what sort of climbing does it have? Okay, so let's say it has a massive climb uh, that is very hard to get in Ireland. So you make a note of that saying, okay, there's a, there's a climb that'll probably take 70 minutes. So I, I need to find a way to try and prepare my body for that. Then you also might notice there's a lot of fast running in this race once the climb is over. So, you know, okay, well, I, I can't lose my running. I need to still stay quite a fast runner. And I also need maybe to figure out how do I handle the transition? You know, so how do I create a body that can basically hike uphill for a long time and then go straight into a fast run for 10, 20K, whatever it is. So you, stay, you just write all this down and then there might be some you know, funky stuff as I would call it, like altitude and heat, which we won't go into here, but you just need to make a note that at some stage in the later part of your program, if you're really serious about the event, you need to do something to prepare your body for all those things as well. Yeah. So, so far, so good on. Yeah, no, absolutely, Renny. And
0: the, the one thing that I would add that I think is very, very important is that when you're planning out those, maybe it's 16 weeks. And when I say plan out, I literally would go week to week and see how you can divide out the different things you've mentioned there, Renny, in two week blocks, four week blocks, whatever it might be. But it's the one thing that I would add that I think is very, very important is um, make sure to give yourself lots of weeks of training. That you know you're going to enjoy, or to make sure that you stick a race in there that hopefully it suits what your ultimate goal is. But if it doesn't exactly suit, but you know you're going to have a really good time, because maybe all your friends do it, maybe your clubmates do it, or maybe you've had a really good experience in the past doing it, make sure you do training weeks and races that you know will make you happy. Because I think when we do have a very important goal like that, um, absolutely we need to prepare for it right but you don't want to be miserable for two months either and um, doing whether it's lots of big volume or whether it's doing lots of fast short stuff in the mountains different people enjoy different things and um, so the 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 least amount of weeks possible where you know they're gonna to have to be working hard and not quite enjoying it the better i think and for me for example renee and um, my big goal for the first half of the year is the trial race to try and get back into the Irish squad for the European Championships this year and the trial race is on in April and as I just finished off the Dublin Marathon there last October I was planning towards April and I thought you know what five months or so of just mountain running it's a long time what can I do Before I get to February, March and April, before I really need to to practice my short one minute hill reps, two minute hill reps, etc. And I said, you know what, I'll do a mini cross country season because I love my cross country, really enjoyed racing cross country over the years. So from, say, end of November to start of February. It's my cross country season. And it's just getting some of the speed back in the legs from that would have been lost maybe in the Dublin Marathon. And it's leaving the big two and a half hour runs behind that I had to go through as torture some of them for some of the Dublin Marathon runs and just enjoying some one hour 40 runs. And I know that if I'm happy, if I get through those eight or nine cross country weeks well, I'll be a happy camper and I'll be in great shape then going into my specific work ahead of the, the short course mountain running trial. So that was just really the, the main point of view from from myself, Rennie, was that when you are planning, make sure you include weeks and training sessions and races that make you happy, even though it mightn't be 100% what you might need for that particular race long term.
1: Yeah, I think what you're you're kind of, we need to go into the weeds there because, you know, once the, what you're saying is, you know, that something has to drive you through it, whatever training plan you put together, you know, Mm -hmm. even if it's perfect on paper, like it has everything, covers every base, some, you know, that's just on paper. Uh, You have to complete it and something has to drive you through it. Now, and people are very different, right? So we have people who the goal that they can see is so energizing, you know, it's really, it's bringing them, it could pull them through hell if it had to, because that's the one thing they want. They don't care about everything that leads up to it. That's just the instant end. A lot of people are not like that. You know, a lot of people are more like, okay, I think if I have to make it through this with all the challenges that are going to be in there, I need to have a few schnapps, as we would say on my side of the world, like there has to be a few kind of little top ups of the motivation, something to, to look forward to. And that's, that's where B and C races generally are brilliant. Um, I actually, you know, a bit like your cell phone, use these early season races that just happen to always happen in Wicklow. I use them that way because it just gives me kind of, I feel like, okay, the season has started now. I've just seen where I am. And, you know, I'm lucky in the sense that if I do well, I want to train more. And if I do badly, I want to train more. And so <laughs> it's, a, it's a win-win for me. I, I have some yeah. clients who they don't really like to race. Too much. So if they have a good experience, they don't want to put themselves out straight again because they don't want to take away that positive experience they now have. But the yeah. key is find a way to create positive feedback loops. You know, it, that goes for any plan you put together. So when you look at the finished, and we are not quite there yet, but when you look at the finished product in front of you and you look at it, that's when you ask yourself, well, oh, hang on a minute. If I do what I just put down here, do I actually think I'm going to be constantly in a negative or a positive feedback loop and of course you don't always know that you might look at it and say yeah totally and then you get into it and you start to notice maybe halfway through that your motivation is really starting to drain and that's of course where another principle that i put it a bit further down you know it's not my fourth or fifth principle but it's down there in the top 10 which is that you know nothing is written uh, or everything is written in ink Mm-hmm. Which means, you know, that you have to, whatever plan you put in place, you need to be ready and not even ready. You should encourage yourself to be adaptable. Yeah, um, And that's also why, you know, when we write out our plans, we don't write every workout from the start. Mm. We have a rough idea where we want to go, as in some things are nearly non-negotiable. As you know yourself, Owen, you know, if you're training for a 10K race, it would be really good to be, There's there's probably a few 10K training sessions that you have in your locker from your whole career. Mm. that you'd really feel best if you know you can complete them within certain parameters yes so so for you they are non-negotiable but the way you get to them could be a little bit different every year because many other things would be different yeah so it's it's similar it's just the trail and ultra races they're not so simple to break down often because for a 10k okay you have to run 10k what pace this pace you know and that's kind of it unless you're running it in mexico or somewhere at altitude yeah yeah,
0: yeah. you know
1: where, whereas for mountain running we have often so many things we feel we need to cover okay we need this much elevation we need to get out on this sort of terrain we need to cover this much um distance uh we might have to be on our feet for a long time so that means once we there might be a few more things you put into the later part of your plan and say by this week i should be able to do That's a very good way to do it, you know, is to say two weeks before the taper, I should be able to, you know, run four and a half hours comfortably over hills, for instance, you know, because you know that if you can do that, then you're prepared for what's going to happen on race day. And if you can't do that, well, then the race is going to be tougher probably than what you had hoped.
0: Yeah, and I think to have, um, you know, faith and confidence in yourself, Renny, as well, because if you do have that little bit of patience in maybe February and March and do all the basic things right, like, you know, maybe get your your base work in, in that pyramid scheme, if that's the way that you're going, that the the body can get then very fast, very quickly. You know, once you start doing race-specific sessions, you can see massive jumps, I think, in, say, week one of your race-specific work, and week four and five of your race specific work as the body makes those adaptations quickly, because you've got your strength work in, you've got your volume in and then very quickly you'll be ready to race. But you, you might think back in February or late January that, oh, my God, am I ever going to make it? Am I ever going to get back to that race shape that I was in last season? And you will, because the body can adapt very, very quickly. And it's just to have faith in doing as much research as you can, you know, listening to the odd podcast or whatever it, it might be that you get your running coaching information from, and then having faith in yourself, having faith in the system, applying key core principles, good principles, and then adapting them for you, for your lifestyle, whether you can train early in the morning or train late at night, and um, whether you can get out on a Saturday morning or Sunday morning for your long run, adapting key core principles for you, taking the best of what you've um, read, and then making sure you enjoy yourself as well.
1: Yeah, it was funny you say that because I one of the people I was hoping to travel with me, if we can get an entry to the race we want to go to, uh, he, I was saying to him, I could feel he was really eager this week weekend after a few weeks sick to get out and do some big, big mileage. So I just said, hang on. I said, you know, we are going to be doing massive volume in summer to prepare for mm-hmm. this. Now we just need to prepare the basics for that so that the quality of that truly really has it not panic, you know? And he said, Oh yeah. He said, I panicked a bit because there's only seven months to go. And I thought it was funny because seven months is such a long time.
0: Yeah.
1: You could do so much in seven months, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. it is tempting. You have a goal and straight away you want to throw yourself at, at this is where periodization shines, I suppose, is that it, it it just kind of forces you to say, look, hang on, you don't need to do, All of the training that looks exactly like this big challenge you've put yourself right now, you know, let's look at you first, which is, you know, our second step in our methodology is we assess the capabilities of the athlete. So we see where are you right now? You know what can you do training-wise? Huh? You know at the moment have you run six hours per week for a period? Great, that's a good starting point. What mm-hmm. are what do your training zones look like? Okay, that's what they look like. Uh, where are the weaknesses? Okay, there's top speed is not great. The aerobic um, speed is also quite low. So we might look at well why is that? And then we say well is do we need to address that now? And let's say the goal is deep into the summer we probably will address it now because in summer it's not the right time we want to do different things so that that's how periodization works when it's flexible you know and it's tailored to yourself so it's always a case really of when you run and you train what do you think you're missing like where are you weak right now and and is there a long time until you need those abilities because then you can be patient you know you can kind of build them slowly so that they're ready, you know, that you have all that when you want to do the training that you think is going to be the most challenging. And that's really yeah. all there is to it, you know, and of course, there's a lot of specifics that go into that. But mm-hmm. it's not about saying, oh, is pyramidal or polarized or threshold training or something. Is that the way to train at any moment in time for everyone? You know, yeah. that that's not good. That may work because everyone improved in the study I mentioned, But it's probably not going to be the optimal approach for you
0: yeah absolutely and don't forget that if you do write out your plan be prepared to to rip it up if necessary or adapt it as necessary as a little flu comes along or as you know maybe you have a family commitment on a Saturday morning when you wanted to do a key session Um, missing one or two sessions uh, won't make that big of a difference for whatever our A race might be I I have um, Vivian O'Gorman coming up now um, who's going to talk to us about his 40 year or so Imre career and I'm looking forward to asking, asking Vivian and um, what were the keys for his training because I think we'd all sign a contract here and now if we could all have the creative Vivian um, had and has continues having running up until his mid sixties, twenty or thirty races a year. So I'm looking forward to asking Vivian and um, what his the keys to his training was.
1: Yeah, myself and my wife know Vivian fairly well, you know, and I, I first met him at, I think he was at my first ever mountain race, which was Lugnaquilla in 2006. So we'll definitely be listening in. You know, I look forward to, to hearing his story because I'm sure he's told me some of the things over the years, but uh, not not the full and not in a formalized uh, forum there. So yeah, I look forward to it on and uh, see what we can learn. I think it's a really nice uh, change of pace, you know, from... We obviously mainly have elites. We've had some race organisers and others on, but uh, it's, it's nice to hear from from someone who has a totally different perspective on the the day-to-day hill running scene in Ireland. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm
0: looking forward to talking to Vivian as well. Okay, Renny, well, listen, thanks a million for that. Hopefully that gave people some ideas and thoughts to help them get to their A-race, whether it's in late spring or early summer. And listen, Renny, we'll talk to you in about two weeks' time, as always. Thanks a million, mate.
1: All right, Owen, take care.
0: Our special guest this week has made an enormous contribution to the sport of mountain and trail running over going on now 40 years. He is well known and much loved amongst the mountain running community. So it's a real pleasure to welcome onto the show one of the true stalwarts of Irish mountain running. Vivian O'Gorman, Vivian, a real pleasure, Vivian, to have you on the show. I was flicking through my Facebook feed there sometime last week and I saw Miriam Maher, president of IMRA, with some guy who looked very happy and a big, what I thought was maybe a birthday cake, but no, it was a cake for running your 600 in race, Vivian. So congratulations. And as I think, as you're about to tell me, it's actually probably a good bit more than 600.
2: And it's a, yes, it's, it is a bit more than 600. Thanks for uh, Owen, for having me on. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a bit more than 600. I, I first started the mountain running in um, 1984. I saw an article in the paper one evening and uh, it was about uh, the Turbraddon race that had a week, uh, the, the previous week. And um, there was another race coming up in a place called uh on a mountain called Sihan. And I thought, oh, yeah, sure, give that a go. And it was on the following... Couple of days, but following Thursday, and I thought, "Ah, sure, give it a go." Because i I'd, I'd been doing um, mostly uh, road races all, all over the place, and I, I'd no problem in in traveling. I'd I'd go down the country for a road race and back up again on the same day, and all the rest of it without thinking about it. So yeah. my my only my problem was where was scorney and where was the stone cross in scorney So. I went down on the on the Thursday and I eventually got there and the race was at half seven and oh, I must have arrived oh about a minute to half seven. Yeah and a fella came over to me at the car window and he said, Are you going to run this race? And I said, I am. He said, Right, we'll get yourself changed there and we'll wait for you. So did all that, signed <laughs> him, ready, steady go, and off we went. And yeah. um it started just around the corner, no oh, of from the Stone Cross. And uh, inside a gate, and straight diagonally across the across the field, over the fence in the corner, through through the trees with mud up to our eyeballs, and then onto a far clean, fantastic uh, forest track. And I was running up, 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 and all the time. And next is there was another fence in front of us, and the guys who are the, the three or four guys were in the lead, and they were coming back down. And I yeah. thought jeez, I better get out of the way here. You know, they'd be climbing over this fence. And the first fella came down and he jumped it. And I thought, jeez. And next, to the other fellas jumped it. And I thought, oh, great. I'm going to do that when I'm coming down. Yeah. yeah. did that and um, thought, this is, you know, the bee's knees. This is absolutely fantastic. Got back down to the car and uh, I was getting changed. And these guys came over to me and he said, uh, we haven't seen you before. Is this your first time doing this? And I said, uh, it is, yeah, yeah. you yeah, know well, do you want to We're going back to I can't remember where they were going back to afterwards for prize giving and a pint. And uh, said, do you want to come back with us and sure we'll have a you know, have a chat and we'll do some prize giving and all the rest of it? I said, Yeah, sure, why not? Because I, I was doing the road racing as I said, you know, beforehand, and you you'd you'd well you used to buy the Irish runner. And you all the fixtures for road races and that, and cross country and everything. We're in, in the Irish Runner, and you could cut out the um, entry forms and send them in for the race. And then you go down to where the race was, collect your number, run the race, get in your car, and go back home. And no, we ever said boo to you. Yeah, like <laughs> never set eyes on before. Want me to go back for a pint with them and have a chat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was that. <laughs> then i i i got more or less kept doing it look my my thing was at the time if it clashed if a mountain race clashed with um, a road race at that time you know at that time i would pro i would probably do the the road race
0: yeah because i was going to say the the first Dublin marathon was back in 1980 you're talking Mm -hmm. there about 1984 maybe just when the first boom of marathon running Exactly. With the Hoopers, etc., was coming along. John Tracy yeah, with his yeah. Olympic silver medal in 1984 as well. So, yeah, you you, you must have been thinking a little bit different to, to most maybe of your peers at the time. To actually, yeah. no, actually, I'm going to go for a mountain race um this evening instead of a road race or whatever. Yeah, nobody ever heard of it. Yeah, 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 exactly. So then like, over the next couple of years, Vivian, like, what was it like? being a mountain runner as we went into the late 80s, early 90s, when I don't know if John Lennon would have come across your path. And when he became world champion in 1991, was that a big, really big deal for yourself and your mountain running friends at the time? It
2: was, yeah. Oh, it was. Yeah. You see, when I was doing the roads, um, John Lennon was... was. Hello, can you hear me?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah you're, um,
2: when I was doing the roads, John Lennon was, was running on the roads and he was winning the races or he was coming second or third. So I knew of him. I didn't know him. And then um, I, 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 I didn't have a car at the time, so I wasn't really, and I didn't know the guys enough really to ask for lifts down to well, run Carantool or uh, Brandon or uh, Kerry or, or um, any of the other mountains down, down there. And he ran, I think he ran the second race in um, Carantouille in a pair of runners. And he won it. Yeah. Uh, it's some stupid time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 72 minutes or 73 minutes or something. And yeah. he kept winning it after that. And then I started going down to Carantouille and up to Neffen and Patrick and Mayo and all the rest of it. And, but I got to know him then very well. Uh, subsequently, but when he won it in, um, I wasn't there. Now in in uh, Zermatt in Switzerland, yeah. and at the time, ta- at that time, the the world championships that are now were called um, the world trophy because mm. the IAAF didn't recognise mountain running as such, like they mm. do now.
0: Yeah. And what about, say, Athletics Ireland, Vivian, back in the day, or even, say, your friends that would have been road running? Did they think that you were doing this crazy, um, maybe dangerous, mad, adventurous sport of mountain running? Um, What did your friends and colleagues at the time think back in the mid 80s when you were going off doing all these races and I'm hanging around with a world champion?
2: I thought I was mad. Yeah. Yeah. They were afraid to do it. And I could see their point is you're you're okay when you're running up the hill and yeah. um bunched for whatever length of time it takes to get get over that. Yeah and they, these guys and you you'd have your your I won't say your season worked out, but you you know what races that you would yet you don't want to miss. Do you know yeah, I, I, that worry. you you nearly run every year automatically, and then you get the odd. A few, you throw in one or two new ones that you haven't done before in, in different places, you know? So, yeah. so they thought, you know, once they, when they saw John Lennon running the mountains, then it kind of said, all right, it might be all right now. But then again, he, he's willing it, and sure, we'd be bringing up the, the the rear. But yeah, some of them joined in and, uh, and some of them didn't. Like, I, I, a funny one was um, I used to run with this lad, Mr. Lorgan. Richard Connolly was his name. And uh, I did a few road races with him. And then I said, right, I'm doing these with you. Will you do a mountain race with with me? He said, yeah, right, do that, do that. So uh, we did uh, a mountain race up in uh, Dundalk. And uh, up and down, finished the race. And I could beat him on the mountains, but I couldn't catch him on the roads. I, I rang him on the following Thursday to meet him on Friday. And you said, You must be joking. And I said, Hi, oh, what's wrong? I still can't get up and down the stairs.
0: Yeah, sure. Sure. And uh, uh, it's amazing yeah. how yeah. so some runners who are maybe very good, very strong in the roads. They just can't sometimes make the transition over to the mountains or it takes them a good couple of months to get used to it. And they think that because there may be good road runners, they'll just fly in the mountains. But doesn't always happen. Um, Vivian, I mentioned that it was 600 races that you were um, given your fantastic cake for there last weekend. And the only reason why we say 600 is because the official record books only started in 1998. But as you were saying there, you've, you've gone back to 1984 was actually your first race. So you've probably done well over 700 races at this stage. And one of the big things, Vivian, that I wanted to ask you today was, for myself, for the people listening in, is it sounds like you've had incredible consistency over those, what, 40 years of banging out. Certainly since 1998, what I can see is it's 20 to 30 races every year. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I'd I'd sign a contract now if someone could guarantee me that I'd be able to do 20, races until I'm in my mid sixties, like yourself. And um, what's what's the key? What's the the secret to it, Vivian? Were you just born to be a mountain runner, or have you been doing parates and yoga since no. since the mid nineteen eighties to keep you healthy? Oh,
2: no, I don't know. I just um. We see, I was never um. I was never a fast runner. I mean, I was never a sprinter or a, and I was always finish it. And my, my 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 thing was in the mountains was coming down the hill. If I had you, myself, if I could see you ahead of me, I'd catch you. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I've gone over my ankle a couple of times, and I've, I've um, hurt my calf muscles, you know, here now and again as well. But they don't tend to that. I, I can get over it to get over it really pretty quickly pretty okay. smoothly you know go to yeah. a, a physio and they sort me out and I'm back running <laughs> but but you, you do get people that like they go to run the race or wherever and they have a bit of a niggle in their calf or their their uh, hamstring or whatever and they say oh no I'm not going to do that, won't do that just in case but that never bothered me I just go and run anyway and Very good. If, it, if it happens I get where it happens but but you know when you're running you can feel a pain or, or or something coming on and you slow down or or even you walk and then it, it tends to go and you get back running again you know but yeah, it, never it never occurred been. to me to um I wouldn't be pulling out like and and letting the guys go on ahead you know somebody's sure. bound to beat you that you don't want to beat that he, you don't want him to beat you.
0: Oh, yes. I mean, you, you are competitive. And if anybody looks at your IMA results, you've got plenty of category podiums over the years as well. So even just say on your training to help keep you strong and healthy, Vivian, you know, were you were you doing your long runs in the mountains every weekend? You know, do your race on a Saturday, get back up for your long run on a Sunday in the mountains, or were you mixing and matching between the roads and the mountains every week? Yeah, I was doing
2: that. I was mixing it up yeah mixing yeah. the two um, and okay. I, I wouldn't go into the mountains uh on my own you know i wouldn't yeah. wake up in the morning and say where well, i'm going to do 12 15 18 miles in the mountains on my own i so if i got somebody to come with me or if somebody was going somewhere i follow them and go with them but otherwise i do the the long road the long road run you know as yeah. if uh, for uh for a marathon training, because I I was doing the marathons, the double marathon and the Belfast marathon and all that kind of stuff at the time as well. Okay, okay, yeah, but that was keeping me fit.
0: Yeah, I don't know if this is a factor, Vivian, as well as, but when I was going through down all your races, um, I could only see one or two big ultras and maybe the the one that stood out was the Wicklow Way Ultra you did in 2015 but the majority the vast majority of the races were the races that are typically around the hour mark or so and I wonder think was that a factor is that a factor in your longevity that you haven't really buried yourself over 30 or 40 years doing three or four big ultras a year do you think that might be it that could be it
2: yeah exactly yeah you know but then they, they didn't come in Really, that there the was um, the Wicklow Way uh, Trail and the Wicklow Ultra, which was at the time was around. F- I, I they, they were looking. They thought they had measured at around fi- um, forty-five or fifty k. I that's about the longest one I'd I'd have done at the time, really. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah. I, I tended to do pretty well in that one. It, it started and finished that in Johnny Fox's there and. In yeah. But other than that, no, I wasn't really, I didn't really do too many long mountain races, no. Yeah.
0: And maybe a hard one to answer, Vivian, but, you know, of those 600, 700 plus races, are there any big days that stand out that you've got, you know, nicely settled into your long-term memory banks? as As in, that was, yeah, that was a really special day, whether it was five years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, Oh, and you know what? I still remember this race or that race, and that was just brilliant. Is there do any races stand out for you?
2: There's one, well, two. I had two good races uh, one year on um, Nephin in Mayo, where uh, we used to run Nephin and Co. Patrick for the as a Connacht kind of Championship, and you had to run the two races. And um, the Northern Ireland people um, were coming over. Their their runners were coming over. People. Um, Brian Irvine and Jim Patterson and those, they were all coming over to run um, Co-Patrick on Sunday. So our fast guys decided, John Lennon and Francis Cosgrove, and those guys, they decided, well, if they're going to do that, they're not going to beat us on Co-Patrick, so we won't do nothing. So we okay. turned up for nothing on the Saturday, and it was just us ordinary guys, no speedsters or anything, you know. So I knew we had a chance of winning it. So I won that race, and that was the first, Yeah, it's the first race I ever won in the mountains. And then on on the following day, then um, all, what I had to do then was to beat the same guys again that ran on Saturday uh, in in, in and I did that, and I won the Connacht Championship that year. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So that was that was very good. And then there was another uh, league race on Wednesday night. Uh, in, where was it? Prince William's seat, and uh, they were doing a count. There, there was a marshal at the top of the uh, at Prince William's seat, and he was counting people uh, just to let you know, see. How, they were they were doing a kind of a record to see uh, what people were, how many people were being passed going down. You you know, see how many, what what number you were. And what number you were when you came down? And I passed twenty-two people that night coming down.
0: Okay, so you're a good descender.
2: So I was a good. I was known for uh, for a good descending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, wow. no, uh, no fear, as they say. You know.
0: Yeah, and, and do, you, do you still attack the sense now, Vivian, as well? Because I know I said you, you have been, you know, competing um, in your category for the last number of years as well, and there's plenty of podiums there too. So do you still try and? Um, go down through, move down through the gears as you're descending down towards the finish yeah, line yeah. yeah the old
2: body kind of tells you to... yeah <laughs> get none of it but there's still half dozen of us in age group and around the same speed so i i beat them this week and they beat me next week and whatever you know so it's still good uh good banter you know
0: yeah, and you've got a new young fella in your category as well. I saw as well. Desi Shorten has just come in as well, and he's, I'm sure, he's going to be the man to beat in the over sixty category for a while.
2: Yeah, we we'll have to try and uh, point <laughs> him in the right, in the wrong direction sometime again.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, goes, uh, and then yeah. just uh, on the flip side, then Vivian, like, were there any say bad days where you know you've had your good days, and can you remember any bad days over the 40 years, and where you you know you, you learned a lesson or you said, oh, do you know what? that's not for me. <laughs> if I want to be running for the next 30, 40 years, I'm going to need to not do that one again. Uh, anything, anything on that side stand out? Sometimes
2: you go through the forestry and it will be wet and misty and you'd be struggling trying to get through all the, all that kind of stuff. When you say, Oh God, what am I doing here? You know, but then when you get out of it and you start running and you finish, it doesn't occur to you. that Well, I'm not doing that again. It, just when's the next race you know yeah. it's like it's like um you know if you if you're running in a marathon and you're 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 not doing very well and you're dying and you're you have another six miles to go and you're walking already you know and you're yeah. never going to do this again this is the last one you must be mad you're absolutely dying and you get home you get to the finish line then you get home and you have your dinner and you're watching the television and then you're thinking wait when's the next one you know
0: <laughs> pretty yeah 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 but
2: there's nothing um, There was, there is one race down in um, in Monster, uh, just outside of uh, Clarny called Mangerton. That that's one race that I've never really done too well in. I've always, I've gotten, I've gone wrong on it. I've got lost on it, and I've got, you know, just bad real bad races on it. And uh, other than that, that's the only one I can think of. But it doesn't put you off for the next race, you know. You just Keep going.
0: Yeah. And and then of course not only just the racing side of things, Vivian, as well, but everybody that knows you. And you mentioned, I think, at the start of the chat as well, that, you know, you've been at so many races working as a volunteer as well you know well over 200 races where you've been a volunteer and a lot of times Vivian as well as a race director um or an assistant race director and actually I just saw yesterday when I was looking down through the races that you worked at and that you actually you were working as a helper Vivian at my first ever mountain race which was <laughs> the trial race for the world championships in August 2010 and you were out on the course there that day when I made my debut on the mountains I was a track runner at the time and uh, I was meant to go to a, a 1500 metre mile race in Belgium on the Wednesday and I said, oh, do you know what I'd rather I'd rather give this mountain running a shot and I went up and I did it and uh, Jerry Kiernan who was my coach at the time Found out that I did it because his brother was a bit of a mountain runner, and he said, "Oh, do you know your 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 lad owned there was up at the trial race on Saturday," and Jerry gave me a phone call on the Sunday and dumped me out of out of his squad, and um, because uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't uh, sticking to the track. Now it was a nice <laughs> conversation; it was a fun conversation, um, and we happily uh, went our separate ways. And uh, he, he was a great man, Jerry. Um, but you were there that day, Vivian, and just to, oh. just to maybe chat to you about the great work that you've done um, and w- w- what is it that makes you, you know, not only just turn up at the start line of races as an athlete, but what brought you to the other side of the sport, Vivian? And I think a side that you've done so well that so many people have told me over the last week or so when I was just chatting to them, saying that you were coming on, they were saying, ah, oh, Vivian does tremendous work.
2: um I don't know, really. See, I, see, I made a mistake, um as you might guess that um, I went to a, an AGM one year, and I walked in as a free man and I came out on the committee. <laughs> I was, you know, I was an ordinary member, and um, that was back in the late 80s, I was only a couple of years in the mountain running when I did that, and yeah. um, we, we, at, the, at the meetings after that then they were putting together uh, the calendar. And uh, it was a printed calendar. You know, there was no online stuff for, or uh, mobile phones or anything like that. There was nothing like that. So the calendar had to be printed. And um, the we used to go back, but well, we still do go back to the pubs afterwards for the prize giving and tea and sambos or whatever, a pint, whatever. And um, the, the pubs at the time used to put an ad into the calendar for... Thirty or forty pounds, or whatever it was at the time, and um, th- that would pay for the printing of the calendar. So I, I started going around with one of the one of the lads, that was, one of the other lads on the committee, uh, a man called uh, pallard Dempsey, and to, to talk to him t- about the the, the the ads and what way they wanted it and they let you know what way they worded it and a photograph if they had a photograph of the place and everything else, and then you do that you bring them the, the calendar and you collect a few bucks from them and it just it just started from there I just started doing things um mm. on that side of stuff and then one of the other guys was having problems getting I started getting the prizes then and then I started going to the races and then I start I suddenly found I was I was um organizing the races without fully realizing that I was organizing the races. Yeah. You know, and I was doing the, the race registration out of the back of the, uh, the boot of the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> apart from the league, you see, when, when I started first in in the beginning of the 80s, the, the Leinster League was on Thursdays. And then 1988 or 1989, it was changed to Wednesdays, which yeah. uh, it still is. And you get in, in a league race, you you'd get, you don't get about, Thirty, maybe forty, at a push, maybe fifty. Whereas on a Saturday, uh, well, the races were on Sundays at the time down in Wicklow, and you know for the for these longer um, navigational type races. So yeah. I was doing all the 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 uh, race registrations, I'd rule the car, and uh, I'd have all the race numbers with me because we collected the race numbers off them, off the runners when they finished, because. Um, they always left them behind, never had them when they wanted them and everything else. So, the basic that that's that's really how it's how it started. And it just I just um, and I stayed on the committee for, I don't know, 16, 17 years or whatever.
0: Yeah, and um, you must have come across, Vivian, thousands of Imran members and mountain runners over the years, you know, meeting everybody as they're coming up, getting their race number, asking you questions about the race. Um, do do any characters stand out for you over all that time? Maybe, I don't you know, people you were working with or runners that you came across that you just went, um, oh, wow. Well, there were some, they were all... Like they
2: were all interested in what you were doing, but but none of them were really saying, Here, I'll give you a hand, I'll do that, or I'll do this. But then again, it, it just didn't happen at the time, you know. Um yeah. so some some guys would turn up for for a race and uh, they say, Oh, but you're you know, what's the course? And you say, This is it, you run down the track, you turn right, and you're up the back, top of the mountain, and you come back the same way. I say, all right, Asher. It's only ten k. Won't take me long. And I said, no, no, no. It'll take you over an hour. I said, no, 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 no. Don't be silly. So I could do. I could do ten k in forty minutes. Yeah, on the road. Sure. Yeah, they just yeah. didn't realize what they're getting themselves in yeah. for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, what they would stag me for would be that I, I, I you give kind of if you, you give instruction let us know if you're going to if you're not going to finish come back to us uh, there's a volunteer there's somebody up at the mountain they, they turn you you know then they they ask you well, what's the course and You say, the course is marked you follow the markers you start here you run up to the top of the mountain you turn around you come back down again and you finish mm. and mm. Uh, that was it mm. uh, yeah they just and before they could ask any more questions you just say where well, did you, you go <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And I know. In,
2: yeah, you know. Yeah. And, and yeah. I come on now, I'll smile. Oh, that was a great race description. That was, you know,
0: I'd never. Yeah. That. You know, yeah. Just, and, yeah. And, and have you seen, Vivian, massive changes in the way people approach the mountains or even Imra itself? from, you know, those days in 1984 to now? like I presume one of the big changes that's very obvious to see is the amount of races that are on the calendar now. Does <laughs> How many races is there now? Well over 100, 150 races, I think. There's a race nearly over every weekend. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So is that one of the big changes that stands out for you or, or anything it else? Is.
2: Yeah, it is. Well, you see... I, yeah, there's about 150 races or so, and as you say, there's one nearly every Saturday or every Sunday. And uh, we, but you see, you can you can pick a course now that you could do three races on on the same day. You know, you could do a 10k and a half marathon and a marathon kind of distance, depending on 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 the loops of the how many loops you do of the same course. So that's all changed. And then, of course, it's all online now that you, you enter online and um, bring your number with you and just turn up and just sign in and that's it. Whereas in the, old, in, the other, in the earlier days, you didn't know who was coming or how many were coming. They just turned up on the, on the night or on the afternoon, whatever, whenever the race was. You know, so you never knew how many you were going to have. Whereas now it's all worked out and it's all online, and you can see it all there in front of you on your laptop or on your phone. Yeah, yeah. so it, it's a lot more. I think it's it's a lot more um, serious now as well. You know, that there, there there's no there is a bit of banter and everything else, but it's it's serious running, and it's it's some of it, some of them take it. I think some people really take it a bit too seriously but it's a race and they want to win it and yeah. they don't want to be beaten by various people and everything else. So I can see that as well, but okay. yeah, it's, it's a big change. Yeah. yeah. It's gone kind of very, um, all very technical and everything else, you know?
0: Okay. But, okay. Do you, do you think, um, have the mountains changed at all? The, the landscapes changed at all Vivian or are the mountains as beautiful as they ever were um, now back to when you first started running?
2: Oh, they're always they're, they always change. yeah, that's fantastic. You could run you could run the same route on a mountain you know every week and it'll be different. you know we yeah. I mean, I yeah. remember one, one one evening on there uh, we were doing um, Marland from Chrome wood car park and we ran up the track and up the trail and over the fence and over to the wall and we were in mist. couldn't see our nose in front of us we thought all right, this is going to be a good one, you know. And then, about halfway up the wall, we're out of the mist, and it's beautiful, absolutely fantastic. And we get to the top, and you turn around, and
0: there's the mist down in front of you
2: again, you know, absolutely yeah. fantastic. Oh, yeah,
0: you're making fun. me want to get my runners on, Vivian, Well, I think you're a set of mountains. <laughs> Will I join <laughs> you for a run this afternoon? <laughs> um um Vivian, you've been a, an IMRA stalwart, stalwart now for 40 odd years. Um, have you had any enjoyable Uh, mountain trail running experiences outside of the Inver calendar? Have you ever travelled to one of the big races in Europe or stateside or anything like that?
2: Yeah, well you see I got involved in the um, in the world championships like picking, the organising the the trail races here and picking the teams and then I'd go with the team over to wherever it is Mm. Uh, and um, so I've On that side of things, the mountain running definitely got me to places that I'd never have even thought of going to, you know, because they ended up in um, Reunion in the Indian Ocean, in in Alaska, in New Zealand, in... um, Oh, yeah, well, there was one year um, Malaysia uh, put in a bid for the World uh, Championships and and they won the bid and they held it in uh, Borneo. Uh, in the Mount Kinleybalo Park. and uh, so we went over there and they, they got Malaysian Airways to uh, as a sponsor. And Malaysian Airways gave us free tickets and half price tickets for the, for the flights over, which made it very cheap and was absolutely brilliant. But um, so in, in all these races, you probably know yourself that they have a an open race. So yeah. we could call all the managers and assistant managers and anybody else can run on them. And it's usually on the the senior man, men's course, whatever the distance is, 10K or 12K. So that was fine. So the the, the races, let's say, were, were in Killinblue Park and did the open race. And that evening, anyway, went to the... Um, they, they had a, a dinner and a prize giving and they started calling out the prizes. And then they got to the open race and they called out the first man and they called out the first woman and then they called out the second man and they called out the second woman uh, vivian ogorman <laughs> and i said thought, all right so i stood up and i walked out down in in, in between all the tables and i was heading just for the laugh just for the laugh cuz the, the the welsh guys and the scottish guys and the, they all knew who i was you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, and I knew the girl that had finished second because she literally finished, I think, one or two places. If she didn't finish in front of me, she was about another another place in front of me and she was ready to go. So I kept going. I went up onto the stage and he said, uh, Sorry, uh, uh, who are you? And I said, I'm Vivian O'Gorman. <laughs> You're not the first lady. And I said, No, but you called me out. They just got an awful, an awful <laughs> tear and sack, but they took it. Yeah. It was grand. They, they, I, they figured out then that um, Vivian in in uh, Malaysia was a woman. Yeah, no, no, uh, no differentiation at all. Anything.
0: Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but that it, was it, good it, fun. But, isn't it fantastic that you know the mountain running and true Imra, you got to travel to places like Alaska. And New Zealand. And to be honest with you, and that was actually one of the reasons why I went onto the mountains as well, because you were probably manager of a very young Sean O'Hegadig, which who was one of my yeah. friends from Rathfarnham Farnham. And he used to come down on a Tuesday night to Nook Grove and tell us, Oh, yeah, lads, I'm off to Alaska now in a couple of weeks' time, or I'm going <laughs> to New Zealand now with the mountain running, and we'd be all, you know, we were all running on the track maybe at that stage or just starting off or running careers. And we couldn't understand how Sean was going off to New Zealand running for Ireland, you know. And then we all wanted to get in on the action as well. And myself and Mark Ryan and Barry Minnick, of course, who you know as well, we all tried to make those teams then as well. And it was a great couple of years as well. And uh, and for anybody listening, you know, the, the mountains, they literally can they can bring you all over the world, racing and training. And it's a real joy, isn't it?
2: And I'd say you get to places that you wouldn't go to normally. Yeah. You, you yeah. might go to Spain yeah. for your holidays, but you wouldn't go into the mountains and and see all these fantastic places. No. Yeah. And the, and the people you meet then as well. Yeah. See, yeah. Then, then, then there was, the, there was the, the British and Irish juniors as well. So... They start. You, you can. Could, they could start running for Ireland internationally uh, under 16 or under 17 or under 18 or whatever. Do you know against England, Scotland, and Wales? And and invariably, you you pick a, 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 man, a boys team or a girls team or both, and they end up going to somewhere in Scotland or Wales or England, and they're coming up against these other guys from these countries, and they suddenly realise, oh. I know these guys. I ran against them for the school in in cross country, you mm-hmm. know, and yeah. they're all doing the same thing. So it gets them around and gets them known and gets them into a different sport. Yes, yeah. them off the roads and off the, off the out out of the out of the way.
0: Maybe maybe just the round off our chat today. We've had a quick run through the last forty years, too quick, but but just for the next couple of years. Maybe what do what you what are you hoping to do in the mountains? Is it just to stay healthy? To keep knocking out the races uh, I'm sure still rocking up to help out as a volunteer and that as well any goals or or objectives or dreams even for the mountains st- still
2: no I'll, I'll keep doing what I'm doing yeah I'll keep doing the races and uh helping out whenever I can wherever they're they're wherever they let me at this stage and yeah. uh, I'll keep going to the I'm sure one or two, two of the knees will give up and say, "No, that's enough. We're not doing this anymore," and um, that'll
0: be that. Yeah, but, but listen, little they, little they little haven't given years. up over 40 years so you never know uh you know it's a bit of a myth those those dodgy knees but someone like yourself who survived so long you probably have a better chance of staying injury free on the mountains than if it had it been 40 years on the roads i suspect oh I so, say uh, so. yeah
2: exactly yeah, yeah.
0: but listen, baby, it's been a real pleasure to chat to you i'm looking forward to maybe sitting down with you one day and having a, a pint or a coffee and uh hearing some more stories and tales of uh yeah, four decades worth of Ember races. It's incredible, Vivian. So thanks a million for sharing, just only a very small part of it today. And I'm sure people will enjoy chatting to you once they, uh, they realise how many races you've, you've raced and worked at.
2: Okay, thank you very much, Alan. All the best. Take care. Cheers.
0: well that's a wrap for this episode everyone hopefully you found vivian's story inspiring apologies on the bad sound quality in a few instances but here's to as many of us as possible getting hundreds and hundreds of racing in over the next decade or two and enjoying the sport of mountain and trail running to its maximum just like Vivian has done and following Vivian's example of giving back to the sport through tr- tr- his many, many volunteering roles. Before we go guys, thanks again to New Leaf Online Health Store and don't forget to use Try10 for 10% off across their website for all your supplements and race day nutrition needs. Helping a local Irish business in the process and the guys in New Leaf will get the products out to you in double quick time. And if you do get a chance, do pop over to Patreon. And if you can, donate the price of a gel per month. It would be really super to help keep the podcast going. See you next time, guys. Everybody, get your running gear on. Let's go.